Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone feeling this morning? Got a loud clapper up there, I like that. Well, welcome everyone, and it's a baptism Sunday, which means there's lots, lots of new faces in the room, lots of people probably online as well. So I just want to introduce myself. My name is David Poole, and I get to be one of the pastors here on staff at Southside Church, and it truly is an honor to be able to speak with you uh, on Baptism Sunday. Now, as, as a church, we've launched, we're a few weeks into a new series, uh, and it's an expositional series, which means that we are looking at a book of the Bible, in this case, John, and we are going through it verse by verse. And we're doing that because we really believe in the power of God's word and that God has something for us that he wants to teach us. He wants to equip us, maybe correct us. And by trusting the Holy Spirit to lead us through this book, verse by verse, we're going to do that. And we're doing that because Pastor Mike really felt that we're in this season where he felt Jesus just doesn't want us to know about him and the accounts in his life, but actually wants us to know him. And so we've been going through the book of John, which is the fourth gospel in the New Testament, and really looking into that. And we really believe that when we have a real relationship with ourselves, with God, a real relationship with Jesus, uh, that through that, Jesus will change absolutely everything. That it's not uh, living out a bunch of religious rules or trying to live this picture-perfect lifestyle, but it's actually just through a relationship with Jesus, a proximity with Jesus, that he actually changes us to become the men and women that God created us to be. And at the end of today's service, we're going to be celebrating baptism over here, which really is a symbolism of the transformation that happens through that relationship with Jesus, that we're actually dead to our old life, and whereas we're raised up out of the water like Jesus was raised from the dead, that we'll be raised to this new life in him. So we're going to carry on where Pastor Mike left off last week, uh, where he introduced the, the first half of John chapter 3. And so we're, today we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 36. And then we're going to pull out kind of what we feel God has for us, or what you know, I feel God's led me to, to share with you today in these verses. So let's read. If you got your phone with you, feel free to take it out to your Bible app or whatever. If you actually got a Bible with you, open it up to John chapter 3. And we're going to start at verse 19. It says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that they may be seen plainly what, have, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now it transitions to the second half of this chapter where John is testifying about Jesus and it says, after Jesus... Or after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison, which is a fun little foreshadowing for weeks to come. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, being Jesus, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, 
but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater and I must become less. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. John's talking about himself there. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful, for the one whom God has sent speaks the word of God. For God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. Whew, that was a section. Thanks for coming out, everyone. Have a great day. That's all for today. I had like a grade four class reading flashback, reading that in front of y'all. I've got some, some empathetic supporters up there. Actually, I'm kidding. I, uh, I was raised reading the King James Version of the Bible, and if you can read that, you can pretty much read anything, which I guess is a strange like Christian kid flex, but, but here we are. So I want to look at that section and pull out some truths that for us today. But first, let's pray. God, we pray that, that you would just go before us. That the Holy Spirit would just lead us today. That you would speak into our hearts. That you would draw us into your presence. God, I pray that today would not be my words, but God, that you would speak through them, that the Holy Spirit would touch the hearts of every person in here today so that we might be able to draw, draw closer to Jesus through today. God, we love you and thank you. Amen. So there's a few distinctions that I want to point out right off the top because Jesus starts off this section in verses 19 through 21 talking about this, really this sin condition that we have. And he introduces this idea of, of light and darkness. And he says, everyone who does, hate, or does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. What I find really interesting about that, and it kind of illustrates really how God actually sees us, is not once does Jesus say, they are evil. In the circumstance, he said their deeds were evil and the, the fear that their evil would be seen and that their deeds would be exposed. So God actually separates us from our sin. Jesus actually differentiates the person from the deed. And that's really important for us to understand today. Because the Bible says that we're all created, all of us, in God's image. And the whole Bible is actually a story of redemption, of God trying to restore the relationship between us and him through Jesus. And it's a relationship that was broken when sin entered the world, the same sin that exists in my life and in your life today. And the beautiful thing is God's light in this example is Jesus, is the light of Jesus manifested through him. And what I find interesting about when we talk about darkness, even physically speaking, is that it really, it changes our perspective. It changes our vision. It changes our ability to actually see. It actually changes how we actually live our life. It changes the context. When I was five or six, 
uh, my mom and I were riding our bikes home from an outdoor concert uh, downtown. And my mom had a long career as a correctional officer. She was actually one of the first women to work uh, for the Canadian Penitentiary Service, it was called back then. And she was very protective of our family. And she always was kind of looking over her shoulder, and we always had kind of these scenarios just in case someone was going to take our family hostage. I don't really know what was going to happen, but we were prepared, okay? And she was kind of always on guard as our mom. And so we're riding our bikes home. It's late at night. It's dark. Okay, we're riding down dark streets, and I can tell something's bothering. She keeps looking over her shoulder. And I look back, and, and there's a man following us on his bike. And so she, she kind of pedals beside me, and she says to me, she goes, David, r- ride your bike home as fast as you can, and don't look back. And so I, I don't know, you don't have to raise your hand. I don't know how many people have seen the movie Bambi here. Okay, it's traumatizing as a kid to watch Bambi. It's harder to live through, okay? I don't know what Walt was thinking. Disney's different now. But anyway, I had a real-life Bambi experience. I'm riding, pedaling my little bike as hard as I can. I crash into some bushes in her front yard, and I hide for what seemed like an eternity. And then I finally see my mom pedaling down our road, and I almost tackle her off of her bike when she gets in our driveway. And I go, is, is everything okay? Was that a bad guy? Because we just called him bad guys. And she laughs. She goes, no. She goes, once we got into the streetlights, it was just some stranger riding his bike, and it was fine. But that felt real to me. And it, it might be a comical example of how really uh, darkness changes things. It actually has an influence on our reality. It does. And Pastor Mike shared a few weeks ago that it's pretty obvious that we live in a broken world. You can all think of examples that you've lived through, that you've experienced, that you've witnessed, that we live in a pretty dark place. This world is a dark place. It is broken. We are broken. And it's because sin's in the world. I was thinking about this week, and, and really, darkness is kind of our native environment. It's the only world we've ever really known. And it manifests in... Things like our fears, our doubts, maybe our shame. And the reality is, is none of those things are from God. The Bible says that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of peace, love, and a sound mind. But the good news is that Jesus came to be a light in this world, a light in our darkness. In verse 21 it says, but whoever lives by the truth, comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what has been done has been done in the sight of God. Whoever lives by truth, lives by truth, lives by truth. Well, what's the truth in this verse? What are we talking about here? And and this is actually really good news. It's actually really refreshing. It's not gonna feel like it at the beginning, but I'll explain why. To find the truth here, we gotta go to Romans 3, where God says that, All have sinned and all have fallen short in the eyes of God. Now this confounded me as a kid because it made me feel like I didn't measure up. That I didn't have what it takes. That I had fallen short. And and there's truth in that. I mean, we're, we're actually imperfect people. But the reason this is refreshing to me is it's saying, hey, all 
There's no separation. All have sinned and all fall short in the eyes of God. And the reason that's refreshing to me is because that's not really the life that you and I live in day to day. Right? The world we live in is conditional. It's conditional love. It's I need to live by a certain set of values or rules. I need to accomplish a certain amount of things. I have to impress a certain amount of people. I have to make enough money or a certain amount of money to be essentially accepted by maybe my family, maybe my peers, maybe my coworkers, whoever it is. We're all kind of competing in this world. It's almost like we're trying to do better than maybe the person sitting next to us in our row. And you all have, we all have our own examples of what that effort, how it has manifested in our lives. And God's saying, no, 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 no. Like you are broken and you do have sin in your life, but all have sinned. In my eyes, knowing that Jesus actually in that context separated the person from the sin. God's saying, I love you all equally. There is no separation. God doesn't separate us or put a value on the mess in our lives. He actually sees us all the same. Right? But our heart kind of tells us differently, right? We, we strive for these things. But our heart's kind of broken. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things. The message summarizes like this. It says, the heart is hopelessly dark and deceitful. The beautiful thing is that God actually wants to strip all of that away because we already all fall short. There is no competition. There is no acceptance needed. That in his eyes, we're all the same. And so if you walked in here today, and, and I hear this story surprisingly often, and you felt that by like your mere presence of walking in this building, that lightning was gonna like strike you down, or that you were gonna walk in feeling that all the heads would turn and look upon you as you entered the room. This isn't the place, right? We, we are all broken people in this broken world, and so welcome here. See, because God actually loves you and loves us where we're at. But there's a big but coming. And the big but coming is God loves you exactly where you are in your mess. But he loves you too much to leave you there. That he wants to meet you in the darkness and he loves you there. But he does not want to leave you there. See, the life that you were actually created for was in light. This dark world that we live in is not actually our home. It's not the life that God actually created us to live. It's in right relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. So God wants to reach in that darkness and extend his hand, pull you out of it, and see you restored through Jesus. That's what we stand for. So welcome home. 1 John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, meaning Jesus, well, then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. That's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. It, it gives us the instructions, but if we simply walk into the light as Jesus is in the light, well, the good news is we, we have each other. 
that we're all, we all fall short in the eyes of God. That we recognize that, that we're not faking it. It's not this big grand illusion that we're trying to be better than the other person. We're all saying, hey, like, I'm a sinner in need of a savior, and so are you. And we're in the, we've exposed that. We're free of that. Now let's pursue Jesus together. I think when we look at the brokenness in, in the world and the brokenness in our own lives, we've been trying to fix that for a long time. Self-care is a multi, multi-billion dollar industry in our world. It's this illusion that, hey, we can just fix this ourselves. That if I pour a nice warm bath, put some like cucumbers over my eyeballs, put in like a rainbow colored bath bomb that I saw on Instagram with like a glass of red wine, that you know what? All my problems are just gonna wash away. Just gonna melt away. Now don't get me wrong, like resting and taking care of yourself a little bit, that's okay. Like close friends to me, and even not so close friends to me, will know I have a deep-seated passion for the Scandinav Spa in Whistler, British Columbia. I can sit in the steam room, hot baths, cold plunges all day long. Okay, I'm confident enough of myself to stand before you and admit that. That's okay. But my point is, is that this condition that we have the sinner and alive that wants to drive us into darkness and keeps us from being bold enough to step out into the light, that the sin, that brokenness in our lives, it's not something that can just be washed away with a bath bomb. It's, it's not skin deep, it's soul deep. And it's something that only the cleansing, purifying, illuminating light and power of Jesus can fix. You and I can't fix that for each other. We can't fix it for ourselves, and we've tried. John Burke was a, as an author, he was also a 35-year cardiologist. And over the span of his career, uh, he started interviewing uh, people that had, had near-death experiences. And he noticed that people weren't really keen to talk about it because they thought people might think they were weird. And so he started probing patients of his that he knew, you know, maybe had to be uh, defibrillated or brought back to life. And he started writing down their accounts of their near-death experiences in this book called Imagine Heaven. And what's fascinating about the book is that the testimonies that he chose to include in this book are from people who had a lot to lose by telling their true story. People that might have been atheists that didn't believe in anything. Um, people from different religious beliefs, uh, maybe working professionals who were worried that they'd be discredited by telling their crazy story. It's a fascinating book. And there was a, a lot of similarities in everybody's story. And one of them was is that they had this, this feeling of ascending, of actually floating up and being in the presence of this astounding bright light. And it's something that they had never experienced before on earth. And there was this overwhelming, overwhelming sense of pure and absolute unconditional love. It was so strong that they didn't want to leave. And they had this strange desire being in that presence to, to just unpack all the crap in their life. It was so powerful that they just want to open up and say, here's everything. Here's the things I've never told anybody. Here's the dirtiest part of me right here. Because they never experienced that amount of love. And I don't think we ever will on this side of eternity. It's this, this powerful 
unconditional love. So what we need isn't, isn't self-care. It's soul care. Our staff recently, we, we took them up on a, a two-week or two, two, two or three-day retreat up in Whistler. It's also the home of the <coughs> Scandinavian Spa. And um, Pastor Mike invited uh, a pastor from North Vancouver named Brian Bueller and his wife, Myrna. Shout out to Brian and Myrna if you're watching online. Amazing couple, amazing pastor, and they led us through a soul care retreat. And there's something that was really powerful that, that Pastor Brian shared with us. And he said, soul care isn't a spa-like experience where we're relaxed and it's beautiful and there's, you know, soft music playing. He's like, no, it is a spiritual detoxification. It's spiritual detox. He said, because we're literally opening up ourselves, we're submitting our heart before Jesus and we're saying, let the purifying fire of your love burn out the impurities of my heart. Not the fire of his rage, the fire of his anger, the fire of his wrath, but the fire of his love. That's what we need. It's not skin deep. Soul care on a deep level. It's bringing ourselves in the presence of Jesus and inviting him, hey, help. And it takes us actually taking that physical step out of the darkness and pursuing him in the light. The section continues where John the Baptist with his followers, with his disciples is on the other side of the lake from Jesus baptizing people. And I love how it says they were baptizing because there was plenty of water and the people were coming. And something about that just popped off the, the page to me. Because I could just imagine, like, you know, his followers. Because John the Baptist, you know, was a, a prominent guy. He was a prophet that preceded Jesus. And his whole mission was saying, hey, a Messiah is coming. And we need to prepare. We need to turn from our ways. And, and he brought in a, a new baptism that wasn't about the rules and regulations. But it was this baptism by immersion that we still do today. And so he had disciples, followers following him on this journey. And I could just picture them in this scenario where they're like, oh, John, like, why are we baptizing again? And I can just picture John going, well, guys, we got all this water. There's plenty of water. I think that hit me because it's a big faith. It's a big faith. And it made me think of, of this church. It made me think of Southside. And, and, and I've had people, you know, kind of come up for and say, hey, like, this is a lot of the gospel, and it's good, but, like, are we going to talk about, like, something else, maybe? And I think, well, but we got all these empty seats. We got this big room. We got these empty seats. It's like, we are going to preach the gospel because we believe in this message today. We believe that's why God's put Southside Church in Chilliwack, British Columbia. This building... I was about a year and a half old. It's actually younger than the amount of time we put into planning and preparing it. And we, one thing that we wanted in this building is we wanted every square inch, every square inch to be maximized to allow for the most amount of people to be in the building to experience the good news that Jesus saves and changes everything. I'll give you some examples. There is one hallway 
in this entire building in the ministry spaces. One hallway. It's in the preschool hallway. It's a good idea. I have preschool age kids and they need to be contained and controlled. That one was on purpose. There's no hallways in this building. You know why? It's because we wanted every square inch to be maximized for ministry time, for us to be in fellowship with one another, to be able to share the good news so that more people could be in this facility. It's a bold faith. Let's do some math. I never thought we'd be talking about math at church. Who remembers the Pythagorean theorem? What, what, what was the Pythagorean theorem? What's the formula? A squared plus B squared equals C squared. There we go. And C is solving for what? The hypotenuse. Someone was here first service, but that's okay. <laughs> I know Sylvia's smart. It's okay. C is solving for the hypotenuse, the longest side of a right angle triangle. So this room, like these, these, this theater seating is pretty cool. It's pretty engaging. I like it. I like to be able to look everyone in the face as I'm up here. But by doing a little math, by employing our friend the hypotenuse, meant that we're able to fit an additional 225 seats in this room. Why? A bold faith. A bold faith that if we built it as big as possible, if we packed as many chairs in as possible, that God would fill it. A bold faith that there's people in your life, there's people in my life that are close to us and far from God that need to hear this message, a bold faith. There's people I pray for every week that are close to me in my life that I pray are gonna sit in that chair one day. We believe in this mission. And I know there's people in your life that are close to you and far from God. And man, I just encourage you, invite them. Invite them. We haven't said this in a while, but I will commit it to you today. We make a commitment to you that if you invite your friends here, we will not do anything weird. <laughs> that sounds, I'm, I'm telling the truth. We will not do anything weird. I say that because I grew up in weird church <laughs> where every Sunday I had to give like a disclaimer to my friends of like, hey, this might happen and this might happen and if this happens, this is what this means and Maybe just go to the washroom at that point. Like, it's a little, eh. We want it to be comfortable. We want everyone to be able to understand what we're talking about. Invite them. Because we have a bold faith that God is gonna fill these seats. And guess what? When the nine o'clock fills, we're gonna have an 11 o'clock. When the 11 o'clock fills, we're gonna add another service. And maybe a fourth service. And I know Pastor Mike will preach as many services as he has to if people keep coming. And when that fills up, we'll just add another campus somewhere. And we're not gonna stop because we believe in this message. Why? Because I've been saved. Lots of you have been saved and we want that for our city. I don't want my city living in darkness and wallowing in our own sins, just stepping out in bold faith into this light of Jesus, this redeeming power of Jesus. The section goes on and John's disciples are essentially complaining to him. They're saying, John, this guy that you were hanging out with on the side, like, look, he's over there, and all the people are going to him. This is how I read the Bible, okay? Like, it's, it's, it's like a sitcom, I guess, when I read it. But it was a big deal to become a follower of a prophet or a disciple of somebody, because it meant you had to leave your life behind. You had to give up your occupation. You had to leave your family. These guys had sacrificed a lot. 
And now they're getting a little jealous. They're like, John, you've had us sleeping in a cave. We're eating bugs. I just want a haircut. Right? And if you didn't understand, that's fine. You got to go read the story of John the Baptist. It's fascinating. But here's something that's really important. And John recognizes and it begins this rebuke of his disciples where he's thinking, okay, they just aren't getting it. He sits down and says, guys, I have testified about this. This is all about Jesus. That I must become less and he must become greater. This isn't about me. It's not about you. I think why this is important is as, as we become followers of Jesus and as we become hopefully disciple-like, it means we'll start connecting with people and influencing people. And I tell this to team members that join any of my teams and team leaders that we're building up to lead our teams. I say, hey, here's what's really important for you to know right up front. I tell them this. It's like one of the first things I say. I say, you are not following me. We are walking together through life, both following Jesus. And here's why that's important is I am an imperfect person living in this imperfect world. And at some point, I am gonna ghost you on a text message. I might not reply to your email. I might say something that offends you or gets taken out of context and makes you upset. And it's not intended, but it might happen. And in that moment, I don't want your faith to be rattled because of something that a mortal person did. We are walking together following Jesus. I don't want you to get to a point and get mad at me and say, oh, forget this. Forget this church leader guy. Hurt my feelings. It's like, no, we're all following Jesus together. I might have made you sad. I might have made you angry. I know some of you have made me feel those things. Some of you are weird. <laughs> and if you're laughing, they call that self-recognition. But we're all following Jesus together. We can't put our faith in each other. Especially when it comes to the fix and the brokenness and all that in our lives. That's for Jesus to fix and redeem us. Finally, the last section of the day is, you know, John, is, as he's explaining this rebuke to his followers, he introduces this idea of, of the best man to the groom and how the church is the bride of Christ. I've officiated a lot of weddings. And my favorite part, it's always the same, is I get a unique perspective where I get to sit uh, at the front of the area with the groom, just me and him. And everybody's attention is going back to the bride's entrance. And it's a beautiful thing. But I always love to look over at the groom and I often will put my arm around him. And in that moment, what I see on his face is just love, admiration. And it's an insight into like unconditional love. In that moment, nothing could change anything. And we have this example in this text, and I think it's just a mere glimpse of how Jesus actually looks at us and sees us with his pure, unconditional, unchanging love. But I'll be honest, there's, there's lots of times in my life where I haven't felt that. Where I look back over my spiritual journey, there's been lots of times where I feel myself completely alone in a, in a dark place maybe depressed, maybe overwhelmed, maybe full of self-doubt or full of fear. But when I look back on those seasons, 100% of the time, the reason is because I am trying to do it all on my own. 
I've stepped completely out of the light of Jesus and I'm just trying to work on this struggle or work on this task on my own power, on my own doing. I've actually walked away from God's plan. See, we're living in a dark world, but we are designed to live in the light. But how do we do that? I think the answer is we simply present our heart before God and we ask, you know, help me. Give me a step, lead me. And he will, because God is faithful. I think we do it just simply by taking one next step at a time as he puts them in front of us. It's actually how we physically walk out of darkness and into his light. Why don't you turn your attention to the screens as we watch Taylor's story. Growing up, I knew about God. My parents taught me the basics of religion, Jesus 101. We pray before dinner and pray before bed, and I was raised to be kind and play to others. But we never went to church as a family. A lot of my experience with the Bible was my dad quoting John 3.16. As I grew up, my faith was dim, but it was there. From time to time, that inner flame would flicker to remind me that something was missing from my life. I just could never figure out what it was. Then in high school, my friends started partying. Everyone was getting drunk and doing drugs, and it looked fun. I joined the party. But the party was wearing me out. I knew drugs and alcohol weren't what my life was missing. There was something more to life, but what? After high school, I worked in landscaping, and that's when I met Bob, my boss. He was a family man with charisma that pulled people closer to him. He had a sense of direction guiding his choices that gave his life a deeper sense of meaning. I felt like whatever Bob had bringing joy to his life is what my life had been missing. That's when I found out Bob was a believer. That dim flame of faith burned stronger inside of me. I was quietly looking for a reason to reconnect with God when he introduced me to Bob. I asked if I could go with him to church, and he said yes. For the first time as an adult, I went to church Within moments, I knew that missing piece of my life was a connection to God, not just a knowledge of who He was. As soon as I got home, I went to work. I dusted off my Bible and dove in. I read scripture and prayed every day. I was ready to take the next step and commit all my heart to the Lord. Until I realized the next step was public baptism on a stage in front of the entire church. My mind filled with anxiety and fear, thinking about everyone watching me. I couldn't do it. The fear and the guilt of not trusting God with baptism made it even harder for me to reach out to him. Then I got a new job and I fell out of touch with Bob. That's when I drifted from the church. The enemy used the opportunity to jump back into my life. Temptations reappeared. I slipped back into my old lifestyles of making selfish choices that kept leading to toxic relationships. As bad habits piled up, I felt like a hypocrite to even consider inviting God back into my life, knowing that I was completely ignoring his guidance. And then the pandemic struck. When the world slowed down, it felt like God hit a pause button on my life. I could feel myself being drawn back towards his presence. So I started attending church services again. But shortly after, the pandemic forced churches to close their doors. Meanwhile, my wife began to explore her faith watching sermons online and practicing daily devotionals, her relationship with God blossomed. She wanted to commit her life to God, and I did too. When restrictions ended, I knew it was time to get baptized. 
No more excuses, no fear, no shame. I wrote a personal testimony, signed up at my church, and then I tested positive for COVID-19 and I had to isolate. Next time, I promised. While I waited for the next baptism, I visited new churches. That's when I remember Bob and I wondered how he was doing. I tried to find him at his old church, but he didn't go there anymore. In October of 2021, I decided to check out what Southside Church was all about. I could tell right away there was something different about this church. The lobby was full of laughing kids, the youth were serving, and everywhere you looked, a volunteer was waiting to greet you with a smile. I felt like this was where I was supposed to be, and I hadn't even sat down for the sermon yet. The lights dimmed and the band started to play. I was amazed. I had never heard music like that at church before. When the lights came on, I noticed a large dunk tank full of water next to the stage. That's when I clued in. It was baptism service that day. But I didn't have any clothes to change into, so next time, I guess. Of course, Southside Church is always prepared. They had dry towels and new t-shirts waiting backstage. The service was recorded so family members could watch it at a later time. I remember goosebumps and the guidance of the Holy Spirit encouraging me to stand up and commit. So I listened. Okay, God, I hear you. I'm getting baptized today. I took my phone and my wallet out of my pockets and I left them on my seat as I walked to the side stage. I'd always been nervous about this moment. There were video cameras, bright lights, a crowd of people clapping and cheering. It was loud, but I hardly noticed. My fear melted away. Everyone was smiling and I could feel God's spirit on us at that moment. And I knew the Southside Church was my new community, my new home. After I got dunked, I came up from the water with a softened heart that allowed me to connect with God on a deeper, more intimate level. He muted those shameful whispers from the enemy and replaced them with grace, love, and guidance. God has been so faithful to truly lead me one next step at a time in my relationship with Him. And I'm learning that His plan for my life is so much better than my own. After baptism, I started serving on the Southside Kids team. God is shaping my character as He uses me to encourage the next generation. I'm also now trusting God with my money by tithing. Through this, I'm learning what Pastor Mike means when he says that God can bless us more with 90% of our finances than we can bless ourselves with 100. I've learned that I can trust God with anything. Sex, my marriage, fears, my past, my shame, anything. Oh, and I recently found out that I couldn't find Bob because he attends Southside now too with his family. So if you believe in Jesus and haven't yet been baptized, don't overthink it. There's nothing to fear. It's a celebration. Those lights, the crowd, and every other reason you fear baptism will melt away the moment you lean in. And don't ever think that you need to be perfect before you qualify for baptism. Jesus died for our sins so that you can be forgiven. If you accept Jesus into your life and let him work his miracles, he can do anything. It's like my dad would always quote from John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life.
Well said, Taylor. Well said. I just want to close with a quick story. Years ago, long, long time ago, before I ever worked in ministry, I worked out of province. Worked in northern Alberta, away from home. And you'd be gone for weeks at a time, and you'd always end your schedule on night shift. And at that time of the year, uh, the sun would often rise at around 10 a.m. and would set around 3 p.m. So when you were on night shift, you'd never see the sun. And sometimes you'd go weeks uh, just working in darkness, but you never really seemed to mind. You just kind of got used to it. And then the day would finally come, you'd build with excitement as you'd begin your drive home. And I remember you'd, you'd leave in the dark, you know, 6, 7 a.m., you'd leave for the long drive home. And something strange would happen every time, every single time. So you'd be driving, you'd be excited, thinking of the getting home, seeing your family. And then you'd start to see like the sky would start to brighten a little bit. And you'd remember the day was coming. And anticipation would actually kind of start to build as you're driving. You'd feel yourself starting to feel a bit better. In a good mood. And then you'd see that the, the sun would almost be starting to crest the horizon. And then finally the sun would just meet you. I still get emotional thinking about it. Because every time, a tear would just roll down my face. And it wasn't because I was sad. It was a recognition that I'd just gotten so used to being away from the sun, that I was so used to just being in the dark, that I completely forgot what the sun felt like. And I would just let that like warmth and the light of the sun just kind of wash over me as we were driving. I'd be in a truck full of masculine men weeping because I'd forgotten what it felt like to be in the presence of the sun. I know there's people in here that, that feel that walking in this building. That all you've ever known is the darkness. All you've ever known is this world that we live in. The brokenness of it, the hurts of it, the fears, the doubts, the shame. That sense for me of that warmth was such a homecoming. Of remembering, this is the way God designed me. This is the life I was meant to live, not just physically, but spiritually. So I want everyone to close their eyes and bow your heads, and, and I really want you to. I have friends all the time, they're like, I, will, I look, please don't look. It's not because it's weird, it's because I want this to be a moment between you and God. And I don't want there to be any fear or any doubt we're all in this together. We all fall short. Now that verse is from Romans 3, and I just want to read a bit more around that verse. This is from the message. It says, 
But in our time, something new has been added. What Moses and the prophets witnessed to all those years has happened. The God setting things right that we read about has become Jesus setting things right for us. And not only for us, but for everyone who believes in him. For there is no difference between us and them in this. Since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners, both us and them, and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious life God wills for us, God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. No more hiding, no more shame, no more guilt. We need to take a step into the light. I don't know what brought you here today. Maybe, maybe you walked in kind of hoping to just sneak in the back door and maybe you're sitting in the back row hoping it's maybe dark enough that no one will recognize that you're here or, or see you here. I don't know what darkness you're walking through in your life where you've been, the hurts you've been through. I don't know how broken you are, but I know there is only one fix to our sin condition. And it is through the redeeming, restorative light of Jesus Christ and salvation. So if you've never taken that step out of darkness into light and invited Jesus Christ into your life ever before, I wanna give you that opportunity today. So if you are finally done with doing it on your own, wandering around in the darkness, not being able to see, and you need Jesus' light in your life, I just simply want you to raise your hand. Nice and high so I can see it. And the reason I wanna see it is because I wanna think of you as I pray for you. No doubt, no fear, no shame. Nice and high, because we all fall short. Okay, you can put your hands down. Now I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud and I want you to follow along with me in, in in your head, and if you're also in the position, maybe you're like Dave, where you're like, man, like I've accepted this in my life, but I've kind of walked away. I've kind of, I'm in this wilderness, this darkness, kind of alone by myself, and I've actually walked away from God in my life. I want you to pray this prayer with me too. Let's pray. Jesus, I am broken. I am hurting. Jesus, I am a sinner in need of your salvation. Jesus, I invite you into my life. God, I open up my heart. I invite you into it so that your light would light up the darkness of my heart and my life. Jesus, I pray that, that your redemption power would just wash these sins away, that I would be able to step into this full abundant life that you have created me for. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we celebrate that? Now quickly, two things. If you just prayed that prayer, you're gonna be on your phone anyway. You're gonna be taking pictures of baptism because it's awesome. I want you to also text the keyword LIFE to 604-670-3040. The reason I want you to do that before you leave this building today is because we wanna walk with you and support you. We know that you're gonna have questions. What's next? What do I do when? How come I feel this way? And we just wanna walk and support you. We also wanna make sure you get invited out to 101 like Spencer was talking about so that we can answer some of those questions for you. And finally... We step out of darkness into light one step at a time. 
following Jesus. I know there's lots of people in this room, just like Taylor talked about in his story, where you felt that tug and that prompting of the Holy Spirit calling you to take this step of baptism. Simply an outward of expression of this inward commitment we've made in here. Many of you just made it today. There's no mess that you need to walk through, nothing you need to clean up in your life, no class you need to take with us. It says, believe and be baptized. And Taylor was right. We are prepared for you. We got change of clothes, towels, we got everything. If you are getting dunks of service, now is the time to start lining up because we're gonna start baptism here in a second. The band's gonna play. But I'd encourage you, if this is your step, we all fall short. We're all in this together. How you can step out of the darkness today is simply by stepping out of your row and in bold faith, walking up and seeing Pastor Sarah up here and that saying, I need to get dunked today. And we'd love to dunk you and support you in that step. I love you guys. Let's celebrate baptism. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.